How's everybody doing? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So today I wanted to talk about abundant contentment. Um, A lot of times, which is true, contentment is being at peace with what you have. But in Christ, we have abundant contentment. And so contentment is defined as freedom from worry, anxiety, and restlessness. It means peaceful satisfaction. Now, I want to say this again, and I really believe that God is going to bring freedom in the lives of, in the hearts of people today. So as I say this, I believe that God's going to speak some things to you. Contentment means freedom from worry, from anxiety, and restlessness. It means peaceful satisfaction. And Lord, right now, I thank you for your spirit that you are speaking, that you are moving, that you are healing, that you're restoring. And Lord, I just speak to the hearts of the people in this place today. And Lord, I decree that there will be freedom from worry, that there will be freedom from anxiety, that there will be freedom from restlessness, and that they would walk in a peaceful satisfaction. Lord, we just receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Let's just take a moment and just listen to what the Lord's saying to us right now. Thank you, Father. To have freedom from worry, freedom from anxiety, freedom from restlessness. And I feel sometimes that we accept these spirits. We allow these spirits because that's what we know. But in Christ, there is freedom from worry. There is freedom from anxiety. There is freedom from restlessness. And we can walk in a peaceful satisfaction. So Lord, right now, I just decree that every heart is open to receive what you have today. In Jesus' name. How many of you felt a release even there? Thank you, Father. You know, we don't have to be bound by worry. We don't have to be bound by anxiety. We don't have to be bound by restlessness. Can't go into, you can't go to sleep because you're just thinking, thinking, thinking about what about this, what about that, what about this. There's freedom. And in Christ, we have a peaceful satisfaction. He's actually called the Prince of Peace. So today I wanted to talk about abundant contentment, meaning you have a full supply of contentment. Abundant meaning there's more than enough. There's ample quantity. There is sufficient supply. So true abundance is not the excess of possessions. True abundance is a person. So how can we 
in any circumstance or anything that we face have abundance. It's because we're connected to abundance, which is Jesus. This is why Paul could confidently say he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. Christ was, Christ was sufficient supply for all things. Say all things. You have sufficient supply in Christ. So why can we be content? Why can we walk with a peaceful satisfaction? Because we know that in all things, we have su sufficient supply. So living this abundant life only comes through the person of Jesus. John 10.10. 10. I think this scripture verse I use every time I preach. <laughs> I think it's just one of those, those scriptures that has always spoken to me. But uh, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Another version will say to the full. Say to the full. So the foundation of abundant life is a person, not a possession. It's not what we possess, it's who possesses us. So how do we walk free from worry? We have to perceive or we have to recognize who possesses us and not what we possess. So our attention must be on our internal reality in Christ, not always our external reality. And I'll get into that later. But uh, you, you guys know that I'm a football fan. And uh, uh, there's this coach, his name was Herm Edwards. And I think at the, the time that he said this, he was the Jets coach. But basically they were having a losing season. And one of the reporters said to him, you know, uh, there's an anonymous source in the locker room that, um, that was saying some things. And Herman Edwards, he's a funny guy. He's like, anonymous source? Man, if you're going to say something, put your name on it. If you're a man or a woman, put your name on it. And so that always stuck out to me. And it really is emphasized in this verse. The thief does not come except to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Whose name is on it? If there's things going on in your life that are stealing, that are killing, that are destroying, whose name is on it? Whose name is on I have come to bring life and life more abundantly? So if you're going to say it, put your name on it. So Jesus has made a covenant with us to bring us into life and into a life that is more abundant. John 4, 14. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God, upwelling, continually flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. Wow. Why can we have peaceful satisfaction? Because we have a promise of a well within us, a spring within us that will never run dry. 
you know, I could tap into Pastor Steve's anointing and sing, uh, I got a river flowing out of me, but I'm not. I'll leave that to him. <laughs> and peaceful satisfaction, what's that, a Rolling Stone songs? Ain't got no satisfaction. Oh, I can't get no. Well, that's definitely not biblical then. <laughs> no. So Philippians 4, 11 through 13, this is kind of where I'm going to be staying today in this verse. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So he's actually talking to the Philippians because the Philippians were actually sending him stuff because he was in need. But he's saying, I'm not speaking because of a need, but he's saying that he learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, a lot of times people have that plaque on their wall and say, I can do anything. But actually this verse, the context of the verse is saying, I can have fullness and I can be empty. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he's abundantly content. The word content in the Greek means independent, of external circumstances. So how do we become content? We have to recognize that there's two realities. There's the external circumstance and then there's the internal reality. And Paul is speaking of his internal reality. So contentment is not a possession, it's actually a condition of the heart. It means self-governance. Now, mom's not in here to get excited about that. But it means he is able to rule his heart to be free from worry, anxiety, and restlessness. So he's independent of his external circumstances, but he's able to control and rule his inward reality. Remember he said that he learned to be content, meaning this is a process of maturity and growth through the work of the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, okay, this is a promise. Yes, it's a promise. But he's also saying he learned. He grew. He matured in it. So if you're like, man, I'm always struggling with anxiety. I'm always struggling with fear. I'm always struggling with restlessness. This is saying there's hope. Because through the work of the Holy Spirit, I can learn to be content in whatever situation I'm in. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So no matter my external circumstances, my heart is able to remain content meaning I'm able to rule myself or govern myself through Christ who empowers me. 
Yes, it might be a storm. Like the perfect example of this is the disciples were in the boat, right? And Jesus was in the boat and the storm was going on and they're freaking out and they're like thinking they're going to die. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. The Prince of Peace manifested in the flesh. So Jesus was independent of his external circumstances. And what did he do? He arose and calmed the storm. So I have abundance through Christ's sufficiency. Now, I like that word empower. Uh, The best way I can describe empowering is jumping on a trampoline. Basically, all of us can jump. And we might be able to jump a little, and some of, some of us might be able to dunk a basketball, right? But when we hop on the trampoline, that's empowerment. You're doing the same amount of effort, but you're being empowered. Do you see the difference? It's kind of like I could preach without this mic, but that's what empowerment looks like. I'm speaking at the same volume, but I'm being amplified. So it's important to understand that empowerment doesn't make you do anything, okay? When it says we are empowered, it doesn't mean the Spirit is making us do something. He's just touching what we're already doing. Does this make sense? So a good question to ask ourselves is, do I have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to what I'm doing? How many of you have ever done things on your own strength? Everybody raise your hand right now, (laughs) right? So I want you to think, am I being empowered by the Holy Spirit? Am I doing what I need to do? But is there a supercharged effect that's happening? And that's one of the ways I think we know when to move with the Spirit. Because I think sometimes we do things And we're going to beat that horse until it's dead, (laughs) until it passed, right? But are you experiencing the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? It's just doing what you always did, but there's an edge to it. There's a power behind it. There's a force behind it. Does this make sense? Have you ever done something and you're like, whoa, God is, uh, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's great, right? So Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, through Christ who empowers me. Why can he do all things? He does what he knows he needs to do or he knows what, he does what he knows is right. But there is that empowerment, there's that trampoline effect that he experiences. How many of you have ever con- tried to control your thoughts? Do you know that the Holy Spirit can empower you to do that? And how many of you have just, you know, let's say you, you are trying to address worry and you're just like, I, I'm gonna speak the truth and you do it on your strength, which is good and it's by faith. But isn't there a time where the Holy Spirit steps in and just something just shifts? That's called empowerment. 
So Paul is de-emphasizing the power of our external circumstances to control our internal reality and placing the attention on the strength or the abundance that we have in Christ. So how is contentment achieved? What is contentment? It's freedom from worry, fear, anxiety, and restlessness. How is that achieved? How do we walk in peaceful satisfaction? According to Paul, contentment is directly connected to our eyes. What does he say? Whatever state I'm in, I am content. So where are his eyes looking? Where are his eyes looking? They're looking at Christ. So the key to contentment is where are your eyes looking or what has your attention? Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You want to sing this song? Okay, that's good. Thank you. Rejoice in the Lord. All right. Uh, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, supplication means an, a seeking or an asking or an uh, inquiring. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure. Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So this was right before Paul said, whatever situation I'm in, I can be content. And sometimes when we don't, don't look at scriptures in the whole context or a whole thought, we're missing the cause and effect. So in this verse, Paul is explaining the steps he took to learn contentment. He said, whatever state I'm in, I can be content. But right before that, he says, meditate on these things. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. He says, pray, which is communication, right? Communion with God. Seek, asking, but do it with thanksgiving. And then he goes on to say, in whatever situation I'm in, I can be content. So do you see the cause or do, you see, or do you see the effect, which is contentment? And do you see the, the action, which is those things that I just said? So how is Paul independent of external circumstances? He just told you how. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. Or pray, uh, and well, that's another, that's a good one too. <laughs> uh, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And meditating on these things. So Paul is actually explaining how to govern your internal reality. How do you rule your internal reality? Paul just tells us. 
Why is contentment or peaceful satisfaction the effect or the result of doing these things? In verse 9, the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So why is this the result or why is this the effect? The answer is the God of peace will be with you. So the, manifested, the manifestation of peace is the result of the application. So this is where things get tricky theologically. He says, through prayer and thanksgiving, the peace of God will guard your hearts and mind through Christ. There it is. If you do this, the peace of God. Paul is saying, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. But what about the promise he will never leave us nor forsake us? So how can he say, do these things and the God of peace will be with you? I thought he would never leave us. Ever think about this stuff? Well, I'll give you my opinion on it. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money, shun greed, be financially ethical, being content, there it is again, with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you under any circumstance, desert you, nor give you up or leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you, let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not." So the writer of Hebrews is actually referring to or referencing an Old Testament promise. It's in Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So how can Paul say in Philippians 4, do these things and the God of peace will be with you? Some theologians believe that this promise is referring to a covenantal promise, meaning the salvation through Christ's ultimate sacrifice. So once you are in God's hand, nothing can take you from him, basically eternal assurance. In John 14, 16, I will pray, this is Jesus, I will pray that the Father, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another help you, and he is able, or he, and he will abide with you forever. So Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will abide with you forever, hence, never leave you. Are you guys seeing this? Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Christ is committed to finishing what he started in us, hence he will not forsake us. So are you seeing this promise throughout Scripture? So in all our failure, in all our stupidity, in all our stubbornness, Christ is faithful to finish the work. He's not going to leave us, and he's not going to forsake us. So how is Paul saying he will be with you if you do these things? I believe it implies a couple of truths. One is his work in us, that being our maturity, our transformation, our spiritual growth. I'm not talking about salvation, but his work in us involves cooperation. 
And secondly, his presence or his spirit has degrees of manifestation. Okay? You're like, where is he going with this? And then you're like, oh, okay, it comes back. What, what's that? Oh, okay. So I want to talk just briefly about God's omnipresence versus his manifested presence. So omnipresence means present in all places at all times, being everywhere at once, meaning he is present even when we don't experience his presence. He's present at all times, everywhere. It's a biblical truth. He's present at all times, whether we feel it or not. So God's manifested presence simply is his presence made manifest, which means his manifested presence is experiential. So whether it be through our physical senses, hearing, seeing, feeling, it's when our theological knowledge becomes an experiential knowledge. It's when you say, I believe that God is, is the Prince of Peace, and then experience peace. That is the manifested presence of God. It's when you know God to be a healer and know it theologically and believe it by faith and actually experience healing. You guys see where the manifested presence of God comes in. Not only will it manifest, not only will his manifested presence confirm our theological knowledge, it will also challenge our theological perception. So not only will it confirm what we already believe, but it will also challenge what you perceive him to be. It's kind of like when someone doesn't believe that, that healing is for day and God heals them. But his manifested presence is not solely for believers. I mean, think of Paul on his way, you know, on his horse. The manifested presence of God showed up. So do you, do you see these two theological points as he is everywhere at all times, but then there's the truth of that we experience him on different levels through his manifested presence. So I don't believe that Paul is referring to the covenantal promise that God will never leave us when he says the God of peace will be with us or with you. I believe he's referring to an increased sense of awareness of his presence. So when he says, do these things, he's saying the God of peace will manifest himself in your life. Does this make sense? So more specifically, the manifestation of his peace. So Paul is not suggesting that we, that we do these things to ensure a covenantal promise but rather co-labor or cooperate with the Spirit to see the manifestation of his presence, which in this context is his peace being manifested. I think it's really important as you look throughout the Bible or as you see the promises of God and say, is this a promise that I have because it's a covenantal blessing? which there is nothing that I need to do to receive it other than believe? Or is this a promise 
that requires cooperation. So he's saying that to be content in any situation requires doing these things. Does this make sense? Bill Johnson said, good old Bill, as we become faithful in learning how to host the presence of the Lord, it is important to understand that there, are, there is a tension between two realities. He has been given to us without measure. He's been given to us abundantly. Everything, the fullness of God has been given to us. Yet what we enjoy on a daily basis has been measured according to our faithfulness. So Philippians 4.9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is informing us on how we can steward God's presence so that we can experience the manifested presence of peace. And what are these steps? Rejoice in the Lord. Meditate on these things. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. It makes me think that doing these things create an invitation for his manifestation, which is experiential. So we're actually commanded to guard our hearts and minds, right? I taught on this about 5,000 times. We're actually commanded to do that. So we should already be doing these things because these are the things that guard our heart and protect our mind. But now he's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to partner with you in it. So we've been commanded to watch over our, that's in Philippians, I'm sorry, Proverbs 4.23. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Remember when I talked about what empowerment looks like? You're doing what you need to do, but then there's this supercharged effect that happens, whether it be like amplifying your voice or the trampoline example. So this is what empowerment looks like. Fear nothing, prayer. So communication with God, supplication, meaning seeking, asking, inquiring, uh, desiring, understanding, being thankful. Let your requests be made known to God or casting your cares or being honest and vulnerable before the Lord. Then Paul declares that the spirit of God will watch over and guard your heart and mind. This is really powerful, and I really want you to get it. We've been commanded to guard our hearts, to do what, you know, to do our responsibility in that, to not just let any influence come into our mind, to take every thought captive, right? You've heard that sermon about a billion times. But he's saying here, when you do that, we're actually inviting 
the peace of God to guard our heart and mind. So it's important that we guard it, but it's also important that we partner with the Spirit to guard it. Who do you think is pretty good at guarding your heart and mind? The Spirit of God. And why is it a piece that passes understanding? Because it's beyond your effort. Is this making sense? So we know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We know that he will finish his work. But are we cooperating to experience the fullness of the promise? I think it's it's a good question. Am I cooperating with the Spirit to receive the fullness? Guess what? You have salvation. You're bought with a price. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. But are we cooperating with him to receive the fullness? To receive that manifested presence of his peace in any circumstance? I mean, this sermon, I'm just kind of targeting one topic, which is contentment. But this is true throughout, throughout scripture or true in other circumstances. Are we cooperating with his spirit? And the thing that's powerful about it is he's saying that he will guard. The Spirit of God is going to guard your heart and mind. I don't know, that should get us excited. Because we already know that we've been commanded to and that we need to steward our hearts and minds. But he's saying, when you do those things, he's actually partnering with you and he will surpass your understanding and he will guard it and he will watch over your soul. So how do I walk with abundant contentment? I must recognize that I walk with abundance and that abundance is my portion. How do we walk with contentment in any situation? Meaning, no matter what's going on around Tracy, no matter what's happening around her, she has peaceful satisfaction. Why? Because she is walking with abundance. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose, that I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Let's just bow our heads. I just want you to commune with the Lord right now. 
But I want you to see him. I want you to see that he desires to watch over your soul as much as you desire health in it. Thank you, Father. I want you to say this. I partner with you, Lord. Lord, you promised that whatever situation I'm in, I can have peaceful satisfaction. Not on my own sufficiency, but on your sufficiency. That you've promised that there is freedom from worry. That you promise that there is freedom from fear. You've even said that you have not given me a spirit of fear. You promise that there's freedom from restlessness. And through your abundant grace, I can walk in peaceful contentment. Lord, I just decree right now that you're touching hearts. Lord, I decree that weights are being lifted off of the soul right now. Lord, I decree a happy spirit. Lord, I release joy. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray that eyes would be open to see your abundant storehouse that you have. Your abundant supply. And Lord, I just decree that there will be a, a greater level of manifestation of the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I believe that God is healing the soul right now.
Lord, we know that your word is true. And if you said it, it will be done. So Lord, right now we partake of your peace. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I feel like that there's someone here that has been carrying a weight for years. It was an unresolved issue within the family. And there's times where you're not thinking about it but it will always pop up every once in a while. Lord, I speak peace to your soul. I decree freedom from worry. I decree freedom from anxiety. I decree freedom from restlessness. Do you know that sleep is promised to us as believers? So when sleep is robbed from us, when good rest is robbed from us, whose name is on it? So if you've been struggling with sleeping soundly, just raise your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Well, Lord, right now I decree that starting tonight, when they lay their head on their pillow, I decree that they will have a full night's sleep. That the restlessness and the tossing and turning would be still. So I just speak peace to the storm. Just release it right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's freedom. There's rest. There's peace. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All right, you guys can look up if you're not. I love the imagery of when the scripture says, cast your cares upon him who cares. It doesn't say lay your cares. Does it say place your cares? It says to cast them.
Thank you, Father. Which one's that? I don't know that one. Do I know that one? Well, if someone's saying it, then maybe I might not. <laughs> Unless it's Christian, the pastor doesn't know it. I think you've proven over the years that you probably know sec- more secular music than. <laughs> He's like, what's that song that we sang last week? And then he's singing James Brown all the time. And uh, what was that song? Flesh outpouring? No. Oh, fresh outpouring. Okay. <laughs> But he can remember all the words to ain't got no satisfaction. <laughs> I was thinking of another song. Yeah, what's that? Oh, what's that? So you redeemed the song. He's redeemed it. You know, I'm a big practical person. So just a real quick two-minute review. When you are dealing with worry and anxiety and fear and restlessness, this is what Paul says to do. First of all, fear nothing. (laughs) Second, prayer, meaning communication with God. Hey, God, right now I am out of my mind right now, all these things, and you start communicating, right? And then it says, and supplication, which means, I don't understand. Help me. Give me understanding. But he then says, do it with thankfulness. It says, make your request made known to God. Cast those cares. And then it says, and the peace of God, which goes beyond your effort, will guard your heart and your mind. So when you feel like you are unable to rule or govern your internal reality, he says, do these things and he will guard them. I don't know, that's powerful. Like seriously, that's powerful. Meaning when our effort or standing on truth I'm still fearful. I'm still worrying. He's saying, rejoice. Meditate on these things. And I, the God of peace, will guard your heart and your mind. That's probably, why don't we just start with that? That sounds like a good idea, right? That he will be the one that guards it. Lord, we just thank you for it. We just thank you for your goodness and thank you for your mercy poured out on us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are released.